Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Cindy Chavez. Today is Wednesday, August the 19th, 2020. It's 4 p.m. New York time. Wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And uh, we are halfway through At Your Command by Neville Goddard. Um, it's kind of fun to be doing another Neville book again. And I can't say we've run into anything new. I mean, I don't think you've really seen anything new either, but it's just fun to kind of go over the stuff that we spend so much time doing with all the previous books, don't you think? I think so, too. Uh, there was one thing that I think we both said, wait, is this a new thing? Um, maybe in the second chapter where Neville was talking about uh, the Virgin Mary. Oh, that's like, true. Yeah. And and right. we, we thought, wait, I think that he did make some allusion to uh to this before, but not in a way where it was over and over and over, you know, he didn't reiterate it a lot. So I think that seemed a little bit new, but yeah, it's, it's just Neville, you know, and (laughs) Neville has a way of uh, making everything look a little bit new and different. I think he does. That's true. Yeah. And it's also been kind of a good reminder about, okay, these are some of the basic steps that you take in order to manifest stuff. I mean, lately here on the, on the show, we've been, covering a wide range of things. We've had psychics coming in. We've got uh, the stream. We've got a whole bunch of stuff. So we're, we're exploring the full gamut of LOA. But, you know, sometimes it's good to get back to the basics. Most people get into LOA because they want to manifest stuff. Yes. And that's what Neville teaches really well. And, you know, I yeah. think that the, one of the most important things, and Neville talks about this, um, is getting clear on what you want. Yeah. And I it's hit me over the past week or so, because I've been writing some copy that that's probably the thing that comes up more often than not with me and my clients in a coaching session Mm -hmm. is if I had to say what I give them in, in one word, it would be clarity. Mm -hmm. But because they get so clear, I think that's why they manifest so many things that seem like magic because when we get that clear, that's what happens. Most of the time, we're not super clear on things. We don't spend the time to get really clear on what it is that we want. And I think that's the first step. So I wanted to tell you a funny story about something that happened that was kind of cool that kind of involves that thought. Sure. Um, A little bit of backstory. You know this may be about me, but um, in about 2007, I think, 2006, 2007, I started finding playing cards everywhere. Like I'd be walking down the street or standing at the grocery store or in the airport, look down, playing card, playing card, random playing cards. (laughs) I have them in a crystal dish on my desk. I just started saving them. And at the time, I had been a tarot card reader for maybe almost 10 years, Mm -hmm. but I had no idea that people actually read playing cards too. Oh, okay. I didn't know that, right, at the time. And yet they kept showing up and I just put them in the dish and thought, (laughs) so one day about two years into this experience, two or three years in, it was August 31st, 2009. I was out walking in my neighborhood and there was a playing card on the ground. The reason why I know the date is because when I got home, I wrote the date on it Ah. because I wrote the date because something unusual happened. I finally, you know, it was in the early days of Google still. Right. But I, I finally said, what is with this? And I, I think I Googled, like, finding playing cards, you know, mm-hmm. in random places. Well, I ended up looking at a – it was an astrology site that had a table of 
car- playing cards associated to birthdays. Oh, okay. Okay, so the card that I had found on my walk was a queen of clubs. And then I came home and I got on the computer and I found this site. I said, oh, look, there's something on the astrology side about playing cards. So I looked at my birthday and the card for my birthday was the queen of clubs. Ooh. And I went, okay. It's sort of like, okay, now I'm listening. Yeah, After right. Two years, right? Got your so attention I, finally. <laughs> so I threw it in the dish and I didn't really do much else except for think, oh, that was, wow, what is this about? It's pretty cool, too. You find a card. There are 52 cards in a deck. One out of 52 is your birthday, and there it is. Bang. I mean, that's pretty cool. Right, right. So um, fast forward or flash forward, however you want to say it, to um, 2016 or 17, I, I suddenly, you know, 10 years afterwards or so, <laughs> I suddenly get this desire to read all the cards, the playing cards and Lenormand cards and all the different cards I read now. So I started delving into it, learning about reading playing cards, and the cards stopped appearing. So I guess it's because I finally got the message. Ah, okay. Right? Okay. So I'm like, okay. So, okay, here's the part of the story about clarity that I think is so cool. Last week, I was hearing um, a friend of mine that's in a community that I'm with. She was making this little video. She was talking, to, she was telling a story about manifestation. Mm-hmm. And the story that she told was she was at an airport and she made um, her bag was way too heavy. So she made this intention. She was like, okay, I need to get the ticket taker guy, the, the bag checker. That's like not going to care too much that my bag's so heavy. Right. That's what I mean. <laughs> and so she, then she decided to make another intention and I'd like to just meet whoever I'm supposed to meet on this airplane. Right. Mm. I've made that intention lots of times. I'm going to be sitting next to somebody for six hours. I want them to be somebody who really, you know, is fun to sure. be around. And ha- yeah. yeah. So she made that intention. Then she made an intention to see, to see someone from Saturday Night Live. And I think she oh. was in like, she was in like Southern Ohio or something. Right. And I cracked up when I heard her say that I was like, okay, well, that's odd. That's interesting. Right. <laughs> so. She gets waved right through the baggage line, ends up sitting next to a woman who just really jives with her like they have a great time. Okay. Then they get off the plane and they're waiting to be picked up with their, you know, respective rides or whatever. And she sees that they're facing each other. So the woman is facing, you know, whatever's behind her. And suddenly she sees the woman like waving and smiling. And she thinks, well, it's a local airport. She sees somebody she knows. She, she turns around to see who it is. And it's someone from Saturday Night Live. Wow. So here was the kicker, though. Here was the thing that made me go, wow. I mean, that wasn't enough yet? Holy cow. Well, <laughs> it's this. She said, you know, if I wouldn't have made that kind of unusual intention and it wouldn't have happened, would I even have paid attention to the miracle that I got waved right through the baggage line oh. and I met someone that I'm now friends with, right? Would I even have connected those to being intentional? Okay. That story has stuck with me for the last few days since I heard it. I thought this, wow. So Sunday night, this past Sunday night, mm-hmm. I'm laying in bed, slept fine for a couple hours, woke up wide awake, having a hard time going back to sleep. So I decided, okay, I need to use this time. I'm just going to get really clear on a couple of things that I want to happen and make those intentions, but in a really clear way. So I did. I remember getting really clear on them and thinking they were kind of mundane, but things I wanted to see happen. And I formed them to where they were clear. Then I decided to add a third intention 
that was not super likely mm-hmm. and not mundane like these two things, right? So I said, I want to start finding playing cards again just because it's fun. <laughs> and I fell asleep. So last night, that was Sunday. So last night, Tuesday, my husband and I eat dinner and then we're going to go for a walk like we've been doing since the pandemic started. And we leave the house and we're taking a walk and we go to cross the street and I look down and there's a four clubs right in the street. Um, wow. And wow. I screamed and I said, <laughs> I asked for this. I asked for this. <laughs> and my husband's like, what? And so I start to tell him why I asked for this and the whole scenario, what happened, my friend's story. And I get to my part where I'm making intentions and I can't remember what those two intentions were. Really? I've been trying to remember since I found the card last night. Interesting. Now, here's the thing. I know they came to pass. Because I know? found that playing card in the oh, street. Oh, because you found the playing card. Oh, yes. Right? <laughs> but I'm like. And like I said, even when I was making them, I thought, well, these are kind of mundane. I do need them to pa- come to pass, but I really wanted something more exciting. So the third one I made would be something really exciting and unusual and unlikely. So my question now to myself is, how often do I miss the magic altogether? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How often do I make an intention for something and it comes to pass? And I never even say, wow, I made the intention for that because it's something that's so usual. Right. But just because it's usual and mundane and ordinary doesn't mean that it always comes to pass. But Mm -hmm. I think it happens so often that I just kind of blow it off and don't think anything of it. Like, I can't even remember what those two intentions were. I know exactly what you mean. And I agree with you. That's actually uh, been a topic of a show that Alex and I did one time, just not noticing manifestations. Because when we think about it, everything in our lives we manifest and everything that comes in new, we manifested, but we rarely make the connections. You just illustrated beautifully, first of all, that we skip it, we ignore it. And second of all, that it always happens. So now I'm like, this is my new thing now is that whenever I get really clear on a couple of things I want to see happen, I'm going to add a third really unlikely thing. <laughs> good, good strategy. Alarm yeah. bell. It goes, are you paying attention? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, I thought you were going to tell me something about the four clubs, too, just to kind of round it all off, but that's okay. <laughs> well, you know. There's the card. Okay. Can you see how beaten up it is? Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it, it's been through the wars. Yes. The car has definitely run over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting is that uh, clubs in the playing card deck have to do with work. Oh, okay. Right. Like if you think of a club, it's literally it's a branch of a tree. It's like wood. It's like something we grow, something we build with, something we create. You know, we build with it. We work with it. Um, And a four is a strong, steady foundation. Right, table has four legs. It's it's not much changes going on. It's steady, strong Mm -hmm. and steady. So Mm -hmm. I said, okay, strong and steady work. I'll take it. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's always a good thing. That's good. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it, before we get into Neville, I'll tell a quick story, too, because it also includes an ask. Um, okay. The story that I'll tell, I was telling you before the show, I, last Friday, in the midst of answering a whole bunch of uh, listener questions, asking for Rita's psychic guidance on stuff, Rita stopped, turned to me and said, I've got a message for you. You <laughs> should start a radio station. 
And my reaction was, sounds great. I have no idea how to do it. I don't have the money, but yeah, I love the idea, you know, and I, and I was thinking like, like a TV show, that would be great, you know, or you know, only, well, actually I said having a radio. She said, no, she said, own a radio station. I said, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I'm on board. <laughs> Tell me how to do it. You know? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it kind of been sticking in my head ever since then. And as you, you know, per usual, when you focus on what you like and what you want, you, other stuff tends to come along. So I was getting ideas. And I would, you know, I, I get an idea to search for something about it. At one point, I was searching for, are there any radio stations for sale? And, you know, or like I had any money to buy one, but what the heck? Go find if there is something, right? And uh, how do you get the, how, how do you pitch a TV show to a producer? And, you know, all this, I was just periodically doing these searches just because my curiosity was so peaked. And in the process of doing this, I was asking myself, well, you know, if I did have the opportunity to pitch, say, a TV show or to buy a radio station and I needed to pitch to somebody, okay, I need some money to buy this radio station, would you put some money up? You know, what would I, what would my pitch be? And I realized probably the strongest pitch that I could do would be to have listeners telling this prospective investor or buyer or producer why they like the show so much. Because ultimately the show that I would want to do on a TV station or on a radio station or whatever would be what we do here. You know, probably a little bit more professionally produced and we're doing this with amateur equipment, but essentially what we're doing here. So just uh, if you're kind of interested listeners in, in being part of a of building a manifestation, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this show, say on a television channel, right? Where everybody could see it. Right. Well, if you're into it, if you're into the idea of helping that along, make a little selfie video about why you like listening to LOA today and send it in. And let's just collect a bunch of those. Um, Cindy gave me a, a, a website where you can actually kind of formally collect all these things. And I'll get that out as soon as I can. But in the meantime, I mean, just email it to me for now. And, and I'll see if I can collect a bunch of these. And if I can, I'll string them all together. And now I'll have something I can show to somebody saying, well, here's why I think we should be doing a show on television or on a radio show or something like that. So, <laughs> you know, you got to put it you out there. Know. Right? You know, what I did this morning um, in conjunction with a, a community I belong to, I facilitated a gifting circle. Okay. And part part of how that works is that you, you show up with something that you want to give. But in the first, uh, in the beginning of it, we go around and everyone tells what their desires are. And it's not just a desire that you think someone in the gift might bring, right? Like if someone sees me there, they may say, well, I would love to have a coaching session. Yeah. But they sure. also might say, I would love, like, you know, some, I heard someone say, I would love to have $125,000 by tomorrow. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Right. Because it's like, it's teaching us to be open about what we want and to not be afraid to express our desire and to kind of mm. shoot for the moon. Because why? Because yeah. you never know what's going to happen. This is true. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, so to just say, okay, Walt's thinking about owning a radio station. <laughs> what a cool idea. <laughs> what a cool idea. And I got to follow up with Rita on Friday because I was so, to use the British term, I was so gobsmacked I couldn't follow up. You know, I, I couldn't say, well, tell me more about this idea or give me some clues. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just so completely thrown off by game that I just said, let's just go back to the questions because I don't know what to do here. Yeah, I know. When you, when you told me before the show, before the show, Walt says to me, so Rita says, stop, wait, I have a message for you. And my first reaction was like, oh, wait, why don't you tell me later? <laughs> yes. <on> the air? 
<laughs> exactly. Um, like, no idea what's coming at that point, right? That's great. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm excited to be here as usual on Wednesday to uh, to read some Neville and discuss. So let's get to it. So we uh, we ended up last night. I mean, last week ta- ended up part three with talking about. Um, that it's not, you just said it too, that it's not our place to worry about the how. Right. Yeah. And so he goes on to say, uh, you are told, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask not doubting, for he who doubts is as a wave of the sea that is tossed and battered by the winds. And let not such a one think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. You can see why this statement is made. For only upon the rock of faith can anything be established. If you have not the consciousness of the thing, you have not the cause or foundation upon which thing is erected. Um, You know, this is interesting because doesn't this sound like what we were just talking about as far as clarity? Yes. Because exactly what it is. Like, you know, there's the idea of, of doubting. Like, oh, I doubt that this is going to come to pass. But to me, that's the same sort of energy of being unclear about what it is you want. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, if we're not even clear enough to be really strong about what it exactly is that we want, then we might as well just doubt it because we haven't even gotten clear. I think it's important. Um, Fun thing you should mention that too, because this is kind of an aside to the story I just told about, you know, the TV show or a radio station or something like that. Something has been happening in the last few days that I didn't do deliberately. Well, no, that's not true. I did do it one time deliberately, but most of the times it's been happening just because it's been happening. Neville talks a lot. He hasn't talked about it so much in this book, but in his other books, he's talked about the process that he recommends for how you make something come true, how you manifest it. His preferred process is usually something you do before you go to sleep. You create the scene, you imagine the the feeling of the wish fulfilled. You keep playing that scene over and over again every single night. And after usually two or three weeks or less, I mean, that's what it is for most of his stories. Something shows up the way you want it to show up. So, you know, that that's like the process. What's been happening with me is I've been imagining stuff, but without deliberately imagining it. Like I wasn't setting aside time Before going to sleep to say, okay, I'm going to visualize getting my own TV show or I'm going to visualize getting my own radio station or something like that. Stuff was just coming to me. Remember that I've talked about the mentor that I had that actually was the first person that told me about Neville. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that he used to talk about and he got it from Neville and I, but I can't quote you like chapter verse, what book it was, but was the idea of, I think the way he used to put it was not to like in your time of imagining in your meditation or whatever you want to call it, not to chase the thing down, to let it come to you. And that is Ah. exactly what he was talking about. Yeah, It's like you have a general idea and Neville always wants you to be very relaxed, which is why we always say, well, this is meditation, but to let the idea come to you where almost it almost sometimes like, where did that come from? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So you're not fabricating it or chasing it. It's coming to you. And that's a really powerful way of manifestation. So that's interesting because I think Neville does talk about this. I just can't tell you where. (laughs) Well, if true, then I'm excited because I'll tell you one of the ones that came to my mind. 
we're in a TV studio. We're recording a show. We have a live studio audience, which is so cool. <laughs> and one of the members of the audience stands up and talks about how she has been a fan of the show for years, particularly the Wednesday shows where we do Neville Day. And she's wondering, when are we going to bring Neville Day back? And I turn to you, Cindy, you're there next to me. And I say, Cindy, when are we going to do Neville Day again? And you give an answer. I mean, that was the scene that played out in my mind. <laughs> What's funny is that I thought you were going to say, and the woman in the studio audience stands up and she says, when are you going to bring Neville back? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, that's kind of a big ask. It's a very big ask. Oh, I love it. All right. So Neville goes on to say, a proof of this established consciousness. I like that term, don't you? Established mm. consciousness? Yeah. That sounds like clarity to me. We've established it in consciousness. It a sounds like what I've been experiencing with all those little vignettes that were coming to me that I wasn't right? trying to create. Right. A proof of this established consciousness is given you in the words, thank you, Father. When you come into the joy of thanksgiving so that you actually feel grateful for having received that which is not yet apparent to the senses... You have definitely become one in consciousness for the thing for which you gave thanks. God, your awareness, is not mocked. You are ever receiving that which you are aware of being. And no man gives thanks for something which he has not received. Thank you, Father, is not, as it's used by many today, a sort of magical formula. You need never utter aloud the words, thank you, Father. In applying this principle, as you rise in consciousness to the point where you're really grateful and happy for having received the thing desired, you automatically rejoice and give thanks inwardly. You've already accepted the gift, which was but a desire, before you rose in consciousness, and your new and your faith is now the substance that shall clothe your desire. Okay, I want to point something out here. Okay. Um, first of all, where he says, at the beginning of this paragraph, when you come into the joy of thanksgiving so that you actually feel grateful for having received that which is not yet apparent to the senses. So that's a lot of words to mm-hmm. say that we're not experiencing it in an outward way yet. Right. Right. It's not apparent to the senses. We can't see it with these physical eyes. We don't hear it with our physical ears, etc. We can't touch it, whatever. But we're grateful for it. It reminds me of there's a Buddhist saying that says, ask once, say and say thank you a thousand times. Um, you know, so Neville is saying that when what was that word he used at the very beginning that I really, really like established consciousness. Mm hmm. When this thing that we're after, whatever it is, is established in our consciousness, we will feel gratitude. Even though we can't see it with our eyes, we can't hear it with our ears, we can't touch it yet. We feel grateful. I've had that experience lots of times where I knew it so much in my bones that this thing was going to happen that I felt so thankful. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have any, you know, outward proof of it yet. and. He's making the point here to say this isn't this isn't uh, words that you say that are magic words. Right. It's not a formula where just say thank you and then you're done here. It's something that rises up from within us in consciousness Mm -hmm. when we have established 
whatever it is in consciousness when we've established in our own being. So he says this rising in consciousness is the spiritual marriage where two shall agree upon being one and their likeness or image is established on earth. Uh, in in alchemical circles, you hear in hermetic circles the, the term alchemical marriage, um, which is a united will, which is where we start to have so much power because we're united. Our will is united. Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt going on. There's okay. no... Um, part of me wants this, but part of me isn't sure. You know, it's like, no, we are all in. And it reminds me of that when he talks about uh, the spiritual marriage. He says, for whatsoever ye ask in my name, the same I give unto you. Whatsoever is quite a large measure. <laughs> mm, no kidding. Potentially. <laughs> it is the unconditional. It does not state if society deems it right or wrong that you should ask it. It rests with you. Do you really want it? Do you desire it? That's all that's necessary. Life will give it to you if you ask in his name. His name is not a name you pronounce with the lips. You can ask forever in the name of God or Jehovah or Jesus Christ, and you will ask in vain. Name means nature. So when you ask in the nature of a thing, results ever follow. To ask in the name is to rise in consciousness and become one in nature with the thing desired rise in consciousness to the nature of the thing and you will become that thing in expression therefore whatsoever thing you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you believe that you receive them and you shall receive them okay so this comes back to that idea to me he talks about it earlier but when we're rising in consciousness to to the thing whatever it is It's that we are being, you know, we are being the person that has that thing already, right? Isn't that how you hear it? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, not only do I hear it that way, all of what you've been reading, I've been hearing you read it with the same thought in my mind that I talked about a moment ago about this idea that came from Rita about having a TV channel or or something like that, you know, a TV show or a radio station, something along that line. And how we talked a few moments ago about how these ideas, these these images, these not so much images, because I'm not really great on building images, but the, these little scenes were coming up in my mind yeah. that I wasn't generating. They were just kind of coming up. And when they came up, it gave me a lift. I mean, I was getting pretty excited just a few moments ago as I was describing these things. That's the way they felt. So... I mean, I've heard in the past, and I've, there have been times I've experienced it too, but I've heard a lot of people talk about how the best uh, imaginings, the best visualizations are the ones that just come up easily. And these came up so easily, like I I wasn't even noticing how they got there. They just kind of were there, and I was I, excited just by having them there. So when I hear Neville talking about, um, let's see, what's the way to say, in, in, in his name being in his nature, that's right. what I was hearing. I was hearing the the excitement of having it there, of having the the idea, the thought in mind, and feeling like it was already there because it just felt like it just came. Like I I didn't have to work for it. I didn't have to reach for it. I didn't have to think about it. I, it just was there, and it was fun, 
And I was like, whoa, that would be great, wouldn't it, to have a TV show or a radio show or something? <laughs> well, when I hear, when I read this phrase, rise in consciousness to the nature of the thing, that's what I hear you saying. Yes. It's like you were one with the nature of the thing. Like it just showed up and you were like, yes, like it was a, you know, I, I've heard people talk about a certain two expressions. Um, one that I've heard, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no, right? <laughs> um, in other yeah, words, That's good. <laughs> this is about being clear about something. And so often we're not clear at all. We're very wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. But there are other things, right? Like I always remember the time that my kids were, I don't know, maybe seven and eight years old. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten tickets for Disney World. Oh, wow. We were in Florida vacationing, but they didn't know we were doing Disney World. Right, right. Okay. So when they came in, come in, come here, boys. I want to show you something. Look what we're doing tomorrow. These are tickets to Disney World. What do you think their response was? I mean, it was a full body yes. Yes. Right? It, was, it was probably a They would have been able to say it. It would have been a, a hell yes, right? They yeah, were right. like, oh, just like screaming and happy that every cell in their body was on board. Right. Right. And I think about that, that pure, um, yes, Mm -hmm. the pure, yes, which Mm -hmm. when I read this about rising in consciousness to the nature of the thing, it's like your consciousness is so one with that thing. It's, it can't be anything but a yes. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just a yes. That's right. Um, Okay, so Neville says, therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall receive them. Um, I, about that word pray, I had a real problem with that word for a, a long time because mm-hmm. <laughs> I attached it to certain religious, uh, you know, beliefs and, and systems that I wasn't a part of anymore. And now, you know, over the past decade or so, I've really come to realize that Everything is energy, and it doesn't matter whether it's a prayer or an intention or a spell or a song or a blessing or a wish or, you know, it's just just whatever whatever word you use to describe what you're putting out there, what you're asking for, what you're intending. So when Neville says pray, um, if you're not a, you know, what you would call a praying person, um, it, I don't think that matters. I think it's more about how you're asking and how you're intending for what you, for what it is you want. We could easily take out the Neville Dakota ring and where it says pray, we could say equals thought. Yeah. When you, when you ask. Yeah. You know? It's the same thing. Yep. So he goes on. This is why I say this. He goes on praying. Okay. Well, he's going to give us his definition. Praying as we've shown you before is recognition. The injunction to believe that you receive is first person, present tense. Mm. This means that you must be in the nature of the things asked for before you can receive them. To get into the nature easily, general amnesty is necessary. (laughs) We are told, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you. But if you forgive not, Neither will your father forgive you. This may seem to be some personal God who is pleased or displeased with your actions, but this is not the case. Consciousness, being God. If you hold in consciousness anything against man, you are binding that condition in your world. 
But to release man from all condemnation is to free yourself so that you may rise to any level necessary. There is therefore no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Now, remember again, when he talks about Christ, when he talks about God, he's talking about imagination. He's talking about consciousness. And I think something that he doesn't say here, but it it, it does go along with what he talks about in other places that word, the word sin and the word forgive. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about it before, but the word sin literally just means to miss the mark as if right. you were shooting an arrow at a target and you missed the bullseye, or maybe you missed the target altogether. So how do you forgive? Well, you pick the arrow up and you aim again <laughs> and you aim straighter, <laughs> right. right? You get the shot this time. So in other words, when I hear him talk about forgive, Um, and having it tied to manifestation, I hear clarity again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Because ultimately, the God that he's referring to, again, pulling out the decoder ring, God is our own consciousness. Right. So, so, and he he even, he, he doesn't normally go this direct, but he went really direct here. He said, this may seem to be some personal God who is pleased or displeased with your actions, but this is not the case. Right. And so what, what I hear there is um, if you can't get clear on what you want in your imagination, right, if you can't forgive, in other words, if you can't shoot straight, if you can't aim that arrow at the target, if you can't know what it is, then it, it, it can't come to be. Because why? Because you have to be you have to rise in consciousness to be the nature of the thing that you're wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's clarity. Very There's much. no wishy-washiness about it. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, consciousness yeah. being God. I mean, here he is again. Um, and talking about if we hold in consciousness anything against man, you're binding that condition in your world. I always heard that if you worry, uh, you're binding yourself in consciousness to the thing you're worried about. It's true. I hadn't heard that phrase, but it's definitely true. And anybody who's ever worried about anything knows it's true because how many times did the thing they worried about actually came to pass (laughs) because they kept worrying about it? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, uh, I was talking to somebody uh, this morning about he, he, because he's going to talk about blame for a minute here. He says a very good practice before you enter into your meditation is first to free every man in the world from blame. Mm hmm. And the thing we were talking about this morning was that it's it's up to us to choose how we're going to experience things. And sometimes that takes work. Sometimes it's much easier to just blame everyone else. <laughs> but that, that, that That's like a, a human activity, like on a daily basis, isn't it? Right. But that, the, the energy level of blame is at the bottom of the energy ladder and the energy level of, you know, creation is at the top. And, you know, think about it this way. I mean, if you have a ladder, you know, um, a 10 foot ladder, let's say a seven foot ladder. We always talk about the, uh, the, the seven, you know, levels of energy, right? So there's okay. the one at the bottom that's blame. Blaming everyone else for how you feel, for how, for your things not coming to pass, right? It's always mm-hmm. somebody else's fault. Or even blaming yourself. Worse yet. 
Yeah. And then at the very top of the ladder, that's the level of creation where we can turn water into wine. We can walk on water. We can do, we can just pull things out of thin air. Really, really serious magic up there. Um, not too many people can be at both ends of the ladder at the same time. Maybe you, Walt. We got to go with the 10 foot ladder for you. You're so tall. Um, but, but I love that he says, I'm always talking about this ladder and we talk about this, that we think of the level of blame. Of victimhood being low. Right. We think of the level of creation as being high. And he's talking about rising in consciousness. It fits, right? So he says a good practice before you enter into your meditation is to first free every man in the world from blame. For law is never violated, and you can rest confidently in the knowledge that every man's conception of himself is going to be his reward. So you do not have to bother yourself about seeing whether or not man gets what you consider he should get. For life makes no mistakes and always gives man that which man first gives himself. So when I read that, I just think about, you know, something that I've said. Uh, somebody was talking about something and they were upset about, you know, the way someone else was living or doing mm-hmm. their life, you know, the what the choices they were making. And I said, you know, your standards are for you. Everyone else gets to be let off the hook. <laughs> and I feel like that's what Neville is saying here. It's like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about if someone's getting their just desserts. Don't worry about, you know, blame and all of this. Just just focus on you and what what you're doing and what you're creating. There's also another aspect of blame that I wanted to share just because I've experienced it and I suspect others have experienced it as well. Um, there have been times where I found myself blaming usually somebody I didn't know, believe it or not, more often than somebody that I did know, mm-hmm. um, blaming them about something and then catching myself and realizing, oh, well, all I'm really doing is holding myself back when I do that. I'm not really affecting yeah. them at all. I'm affecting me. So I need to let go of that blame. And then so I kind of get hung up on, well, how do I let go of the blame? How do I how do I forgive and make it feel like I'm re- really forgiving and so forth? And it's the civil, simplest, almost stupidest thing in the world. But all you have to do is say, I let go of it. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> it's all you have I, to do. <laughs> you know, um, I previously uh, have taught a lot about lining up our life with the lunation cycles, full moon, new moon, you know, and, and what how we can get in sync with that because it's a very natural rhythm, right? It's, I call it our beautiful cosmic clock. And one of the things I always put out there for full moon, full moons are great for celebrations, Mm -hmm. but also for forgiveness. Oh, okay. And so my mantra when I'm falling asleep on the night of the full moon, it's really easy. It's I forgive everyone for everything. Okay. And that's what kind of Neville's talking about here, right? It's just, a very good practice before you enter into your meditation is to first free every man in the world from blame. <laughs> I, I wanted to follow something else up too, because the first few times that I tried that and I had experience, yes, just saying, I let go of the blame. I forgive. I just let go. It, it's an interesting experience of a, a feeling experience that happens because I can tell there's still a piece of me that wants to hang on, but it starts to turn into a ghost sort of, it, it starts to dissipate. And I'm still feeling it while it's dissipating. I'm still feeling that angst. I'm still feeling that anger. And then as it continues to dissipate, almost every single time something happens to distract me. 
And then I forget that I was letting go of that blame thing. And I, it takes like sometimes a half an hour later before I realize, so am I feeling the blame anymore? Oh, I guess I'm not. <laughs> I'm thinking of there's, there's one, is it the Sedona method? I'm not really familiar with it, but I know one of the things I've read and I think that's the right one. Just a process is, you know, they talk about holding a pencil in your hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, let, let drop it. And they're like, that, that's how easy it is. Ah, okay. Just, like you said, mm-hmm. just let go. There isn't any struggle over. You just realize that all you have to do is just let it be easy. Just, just let go. And it's true. It, it, I, I think what's, what confused me and what struck me was, after letting go what the experience of that was mm-hmm. still felt that pull a bit, but the pull was kind of dissipating. It just kind of fell apart. I still felt it. I felt it. I felt it. I felt, and then I was distracted. Cause it wasn't pulling anymore. It wasn't pulling yeah. anymore. Right? That's, that's one of the ways we know when, when we have let go of something, we don't have that emotional charge. Exactly. You know, I've had people tell me they're like, well, I let go of it. I can hear them putting <laughs> their teeth. I'm like, yeah, I just let it go. I'm like, I I can hear in your voice you haven't let it go, right? There's still a charge there. You can feel <laughs> you can feel it in your jaw. I can tell you can feel it in your jaw. Yeah, and it's okay, right? We just have to point that out. Okay, so Neville goes on to talk about, I'm interested what he's going to say here. Okay. Because he says, this brings us to the much abused statement of the Bible on tithing. Mm, okay. Teachers of all kinds have enslaved man with this affair of tithing for not themselves understanding the nature of tithing and being themselves fearful of lack. They've led their followers to believe that a tenth part of their income should be given to the Lord, meaning, as they make very clear, that when one gives a tenth part of his income to their particular organization, he is giving his tenth part to the Lord or is tithing. But remember, I am the Lord, your awareness of being is the God that you give to and you ever give in this manner. Therefore, when you claim yourself to be anything, you've given that claim or quality to God and your awareness of being, which is no respecter of persons, will return to you pressed down, shaken together and running over with that quality or attribute which you claim for yourself. Hmm. That's very interesting. Uh-huh. It I mean, is I, interesting. I don't I'm think I've ever to... heard tithing described that way. Right. So, so w- when he says, give your 10th part or tithe to the Lord, and he's telling you that the Lord is your awareness of being. Right. Um, and that you give to in this manner. I'm trying to put that into practical, um, use there. It shifts the whole meaning around compared to what we're used to. Right. And how do we do that? Let's go on and see if he, if he talks about it. Because okay. And come back I'm, to it. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. Awareness of being is nothing that you could ever name to claim God to be rich, to be great, to be love, to be all wise is to define that which cannot be defined for God is nothing that could ever be named. Tithing is necessary, and you do tithe with God. But from now on, give to the only God and see to it that you give him the quality that you desire as man to express by claiming yourself to be the great, the wealthy, the loving, the all-wise. 
Do not speculate as to how you shall express these qualities or claims, for life has a way that you as man know not of. Its ways are past finding out. But I assure you, the day you claim these qualities to the point of conviction, your claims will be honored. There is nothing covered that shall not be uncovered. That which is spoken in secret shall be proclaimed from the housetops. That is, your secret convictions of yourself. These secret claims that no man knows of, when really believed, will be shouted from the housetops in your world. For your convictions of yourself are the words of the God within you, which words are spirit and cannot return unto you void, but must accomplish where unto they are sent. You are at this moment calling out of the infinite that which you are, that which you are now conscious of being, and not one word or conviction will fail to find you. So I want to back way up Mm. to where he's talking about, because he's ending this part with talking about claiming certain qualities. Yeah. And that if you claim to be a great, to be wealthy, to be loving, to be all wise, if you claim it with conviction that these qualities will find you, um, I believe this to be true. If, and it's one of the reasons why, as a coach, one of the things I like to do is help people find out what their core values are. Because if they know that, then they can claim those qualities and develop them and, and have confidence that those qualities will find them, so to speak. But I'm curious about this whole connection to tithing. I'm not sure I completely understand where Neville is going with this idea. I, I can point to something that may give us a root. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, Abraham talks about their, what was originally a three-step process. It's now kind of evolved into a five-step process. And in that five-step process, basically what happens is you ask, believe, receive. And then that leads to a new desire, which leads to a new ask. And, and so it becomes a cycle of asking. Okay. And I'm thinking here that what he's calling tithing, I mean, cause Literally, what he's talking about is that you give that tenth part back. Well, what what are you giving back? You're giving back a spiritual experience. And what are you giving it to? You're giving it to God within you. Basically, you're taking that experience, which was a positive experience, experience that you liked. It was it was attracting something that you liked. It was bringing something into your life that you liked, that you felt good about. And you you were you rose up. He talked about how your consciousness, it rose in your consciousness. It became real. And then you took a tenth of that and you fed it back into the system. Okay. And in doing so, you got the next thing going. So you now you have the cycle moving. Okay. This reminds me of that idea that we talked about. Um, it's a, just an awareness practice, especially works wonders when we're feeling something we don't want to feel, like we're feeling anxious or frustrated or whatever. And it's just an awareness practice of finding, I always just say, find a color, find a color that you really like. Um, it could be your bedspread, you know, it could be the, the dress you have on. It could be, I have a big rose quartz in my office. It, you know, I can look at that and appreciate it. And then appreciate it 10% more. Wow. Now, we don't know how we do that, right? It's like, <laughs> how, what's happening when we say that? But it's kind of like mind trickery, right? But I'm telling myself, oh, I'm looking at this rose quartz. I love this rock so much. It's so beautiful. I really appreciate it. And then I instruct myself to appreciate it 10% more. 
and something just opens up. Reminds me of the heart map thing, mm-hmm. right? It's like something shifts in your being and maybe it's because of that not quite knowing how to do it. Like if, if I'm giving you money and then I have to give you 10% more, I know how much that is and I know how to do it. Oh, here, it's another dollar or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you're, this is kind of abstract, I'm appreciating it and then I'm supposed to, but you're just expanding. And by saying 10%, it's just a little bit, right? Right. It's a piece. It's not, it's not you know, a hundred percent. It's just a little bit more, which I think our brain accepts as something we can do. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so when you said that, that makes so much sense. We are, we are rising in consciousness to be one in nature with that thing, whatever it is. So it might be wealth. And now I am rising in consciousness to where I am one with that level of wealth, or I am one with that level of kindness, or I'm one with whatever it is that I'm wanting to create. And then I'm giving like 10% more, right? I'm like you said, feeding just, it's just a little bit back into the cycle to strengthen it. And it will just keep going. And not only does it strengthen the cycle, I think it strengthens the next ask. And the reason I say that is it's kind of like a thing that we don't really do anymore at all, I don't think. But You can ask for something bigger. Well, it could be something (laughs) bigger, but I I think it's more along the lines of the strength of the ask. So, for instance, uh, something we don't do now but used to happen a lot um, back in the day, uh, people would make soup, right? And then they'd right. keep a piece of the soup and they use that as the base for the next soup. And so this, right. it became the endless soup, you know, the, the soup that lasted for generations. You know, I got, I literally in, inherited this soup from my mother, that kind of thing. You know, well, they do that with bread. Bread is the same thing, the right? Starter, the bread starter. Bread yeah. Starter. I know there's a, there's a five star restaurant in New Orleans, I think, that has a bread starter that's like 30 years old. Yeah. 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 It's the same idea. It's, and I think what it's actually it's, doing is it's setting the stage saying, okay, here is how wonderful this round of the bread was. So I'm taking this wonderful piece of bread and I'm going to turn it into the next piece so that the next round of bread is just as wonderful. It has the same high vibe. It has the same easiness to it. It rises up. There's the rising. It rises up so much easier than it would be if I started from scratch. Right. Everything is, it, it continues to It's kind of like a, uh, an impulse engine, a, you know, a carb engine that you, yeah. you get it started and it just keeps itself going because it keeps feeding a little bit more in, feeding a little bit more in, feeding a little bit more in. Yeah. It makes it easy. Okay. So now we've we've taken this concept that seemed so abstract to me because mm. I wasn't connecting it, but it's making it so much sense now. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate, for the first time in my life, I actually appreciate tithing. Because every time I heard it, I mean, literally the objection he raised, he doesn't really raise it as if it were an objection, but that's the way I felt about it, that you were supposed to give 10% of your income to the organizer of this organization who's running this church for you because that's how you give back to the Lord. I mean, a two-year-old can see through that particular one, right? This is not a difficult one to see through. And so I'm saying to myself, okay, so what is this tithing thing anyways? It's like some sort of a racket? What's going on? And that's how I always felt about it. It's to, it's an energetic loop. Yes. And, and that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So, and it can only get stronger. Yeah. It can only create momentum. 
That's right. And so we've talked before about the importance of momentum. And we we definitely want the momentum to be going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Because our thoughts that are creating stuff we don't want can get a lot of momentum going as well. That's right. And so, you know, tithing is uh, conscious. You don't tithe by accident. Right. Right. And I mean, you tithe consciously, even in the in the sense of like actually giving 10 percent of income to an organization. That would be something that you did consciously. You mm -hmm. write the check. You decide this is what I'm doing. So this energetic way of looking at tithing, whereas where we are giving back the energy of success, the energy of what we've manifested is conscious. It's a conscious choice to do this, to keep the wheel spinning, so to speak, to keep the energy loop building. And I'm realizing there is a real world situation that we have all been involved in that reinforces for us just how powerful this concept is. And that is tipping. When we go to a restaurant, what do we do? We have our food, delicious meal, get the bill, right? the you know the signature on it after they run the credit card or whatever and we add the tip you know whatever our tip level is 10 15 20 25 percent whatever it is and we're conscious of doing it right we're doing we it consciously now right. add in this factor i used to be a cheap tip tipper and over time i i started expanding i started expanding out to doing like 18 percent, 20 percent, 22 percent and a fascinating thing happened the meals got better And the reason this is fascinating is twofold. Not only because I increased the tip and got the result, but because do you know what the word tip originally comes from? No. It's actually TIPS. TIPS? TIPS is an acronym that stands for to ensure proper service. Oh, interesting. That's what tips I don't think are. I knew that. TIPS are to ensure proper service. And truly speaking, the official way that nobody does, that you're supposed to do a tip, you're supposed to tip before you get the service not after you get the service. You know, it's so different in different places. In Europe, there's no tipping. If you leave a tip, it's a, you know, it's a very small, it's a coin. Mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's a way, it's a, it's a way of saying the service was really great. We appreciate you, but their servers there get a living wage. Right. 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 Over here, I've heard a lot of people talk about tipping and they're like, well, it's not my fault that the management doesn't pay their, servers what they you know blah 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 but in other words a lot of justification for not leaving a tip or leaving a cheap tip or whatever right because because my mother and both of my uh children uh my mother may she rest in peace when she was alive worked in the service industry and both of my children are in the restaurant industry mm -hmm. and worked their way up from being servers sure. i've always had this idea that when i leave a tip you know if I leave double what I'd normally leave, it's still not really going to affect my life, but it will completely make this person's day and it may change their life for that day. So I've always wanted to be a very generous tipper. Mm -hmm. um, but what I think is interesting about your story is that energetically, I mean, you had a big difference in what you experienced and it was right. concrete. It was an actual concrete difference in what you experienced. Yeah. So it's energetic again. And if you want to take the story one step further, my wife, back before I knew her, 
Um, in her early 20s, she was a ski bum. She worked at a ski resort for about a three-year period. And she tells a story from that experience. She, like most of the people at that time, and, and to a certain extent today, uh, young people sometimes uh, work in this kind of industry and do a similar thing. She worked uh, as a table server and worked like long, long weeks. You know, just every week she was working 50, 60 hours a, a week. But she could go skiing during the day. Mm-hmm. And so during the weekday, you know, everybody else is at work. She's out on the slopes and having a great time, you know, and she loved that. She, she would tell me stories about how she'd be you know, sliding down the slopes and thinking my girlfriends are all in office buildings and I'm sliding down the ski slope. <laughs> <laughs> so she was loving that part. But there was one experience that she had one time with one of the restaurants she was working in. A gentleman comes in and he tips the proper way. He hands her, I, I don't remember the exact amount. It may have been like $20, which this was back around 1980. So that's the equivalent of like $50 today. So it was a nice tip, you know. He hands her the tip and he said, and she says, thank you. What's this for? He says, just make sure my coffee cup is never empty. And you can bet your bottom dollar it was never empty. <laughs> to ensure Proper service. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that really reinforces it. You, you, you don't even have to think about it. You know that that coffee cup stayed full. Right. And it did. Right. My wife went out of her way to make sure he always had coffee. <laughs> That's awesome. I love yeah. that story. Yeah. So, I mean, that so now we know. illustrates the whole tithing concept that Neville is addressing here. And I love it. I'm, I love, I don't know why we didn't hear this before from Neville, but this is cool. This is the first time I remember hearing this from Neville. It's great. It's fabulous. Made made this whole this whole section of the book worthwhile. I'm glad we we found this book just for that one thing. This is right? this is brilliant. Yeah. Really good. Energetic. Before we go, I want to remind people who have not yet tried it, download the app. We're getting some good response about the app. Um, two things I want to mention about it. First, we have found an issue with the iPhone users. If you are experiencing an issue playing the episodes on your iPhone, please use the contact form in the app to send me an email. Tell me what you're experiencing. Tell me as specifically as you can what happens whenever the thing happens. I, I have a pretty good idea of what the issue is. Eliza, one of our listeners, has been giving me some good feedback, and I have a good idea of what it is. And now my biggest challenge is to figure out how to fix it because I have no idea how to fix it. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to apply the LOA approach and say, universe, I don't know what the solution is. Send me the solution, and it will guide me there because that's usually what happens. So we're going to get that one fixed. Also, I want to let people know, I think I mentioned earlier, the Mac version is now out. Uh, I've been kind of struggling with that for a long time, but we finally got it so that it will install properly. So if you are one of the 2 or 3% who actually uses a Mac to listen to the program, you can now download from the website, elevatetoday.net, and uh, install the app from there. So those two things out there. And finally, um, both for this show, for all the shows, we now have a unified contact form. So if you want to reach out to any of us, any of our, any of my co-hosts, especially if you have a question for like the Tuesday show with the stream or the Friday show with Psychic Rita. But for anybody, if you want to send a question or a comment or whatever, use the app for that. It's a great way, for instance, if you want to reach out to Cindy, send, send a message because Cindy is listed as one of the people that you can contact using the form. You know, So send a message. If it's just how much you love the show, great. That's fabulous. If it's, you know, I want some help, maybe you want some personal coaching, that's great too. If there's a question you want us to answer on the show, that's perfect too, but you know, send us that and give us some more uh, feedback about the app too. I'm loving those people who have sent information and in saying, yes, I love the app. It's great. Or here's something I'd like to see different or whatever. 
all of it is so helpful. And I want to thank all of those who have sent it. And I want to encourage those who are thinking about send it to, you know, send it because it, it really does help. Yes, send it. Say hello. And thank you, Cindy, for uh, finding At Your Command. This is a cool little book we're doing here. I'm enjoying it. It's really, yeah. really good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and also a reminder, too, uh, you can reach out to Cindy through the contact form. You can also reach out to her on the the host page because there's also a host page in the app. If you go to her little bio on that page and click, it will actually take you to the contact page on her website. So two different ways to reach out to Cindy. So would love just to want to make sure you. we got that one in there. So, all right. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great week. Look forward to talking to you in a week. Thank you, live streamers. Every kind of, uh, oh, actually, Jeffrey had a question that uh, I don't know if we can get to it quickly. Can you imagine if we went back to doing it that way? And he's, and he's talking about where uh, we do tipping in advance. It's an interesting thought. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all try it when the restaurants open back up. <laughs> well, you know, give it a shot. See what happens. You know? you, you, you'll, first of all, you'll shock the hell out of the server. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they won't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, give it a try and, and then report back. Let's see what the result is on that. So thank you, live streamers. Thank you, especially to our podcast listeners as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>